Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dear friends, we are so sorry about the ads. They are a nightmare in every way, but with your donations, we can get rid of ads someday. Beautiful, Kevin. Mm, thanks, Rob. Bach and Harnick are smiling <laughs> so your big hearts right out. now. <laughs> friends, yes, we are back with a new plea. Much like those adorable puppets from Avenue Q, we are asking for you to give us your money. <laughs> for those of you who have headed over to Patreon to throw a little money our way, we thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Your contributions are the only budget we have for this show. And it provided us a new soundboard and better studio space. So a thank you. Thank you. And as you know, nothing is more fulfilling than talking to the legends of Broadway and hearing them share their thoughts, wisdom, and talents with all of us. However, it does cost money. And if you want to help us keep the show going, please head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search for Behind the Curtain, and you can give as little as a dollar a month. And trust me, that dollar will help us more than you will ever know. Plus, for certain monetary donations, you will get to pick your favorite thing and have advanced knowledge of our future guests so you can ask the legends your own questions. Or you can simply leave canned goods and an original cast recording of How Now Dow Jones outside our doors if you don't want to contribute on Patreon.com. Truth. So once again, please head over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com to help us out. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain, and make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher. Today's guest has had one of the most versatile careers in our industry. You might know him as a performer from not only Broadway shows like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and My One and Only, but as one of the high step and Aggie football players in the movie version of The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. But our guest did not stay on stage for very long. Oh, no, because under the mentorship of Tommy Toon, our guest started a thriving career 
Offstage, where he was the director of the acclaimed revivals of Grease and one of my favorites, Death West's Big River, as well as the original musicals like Brooklyn, Bonnie and Clyde, and Newsies. You can hear millions of teenagers at Broadway cons swooning as we speak. Yes, to tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Dolly Parton, Tommy Toon, Michael Arden, Twiggy, Laura Osnes, David James Carroll, and countless others, here is the man who is the expert on all things John Kenley, Jeff Calhoun. <laughs> wow. You Bam. guys, like, we're just, just so people are, like at home listening know, we're just sitting here going, you know, in Shetler Studios and we're talking like real people. That all of a sudden, next thing you both get these like radio voices, hello, welcome to. And I'm like, wow. We were having a full chat and you, you were really just were like, like shot out of a cannon. Anyway, a little bit of a our fifth, inter- our fifth yeah. interview today, we might have been like, well, now I know why you're in your second year. You're, you're really good at it. <laughs> I was very impressed with that little tag team intro. We should tell Jeff this is all we do is intros. Now we're done and you can go home. So thank you so oh much. Oh my God, what oh you just God. did is better than anything I'm going to do. Oh my oh God. God. Thanks for having me. Oh, we oh are God, so happy to have you. Okay, so we're going to start a little bit out of order on this one, um, if that's okay with you. I'm okay with that, Rob. One of the things we talk about on this podcast a lot that we love is John Kenley. And we know He's that a, he- a running theme. It is. Are you kidding me? No. no very seriously. few people know well, the legend John Kenley. Well, very so, few people that we've talked to actually knew John Kenley. I have to tell you what's amazing, and this is not planned, and this sounds so scripted. I, he's foremost in my life right now. I just finished a documentary about him, <gasps> and a couple writers uh, saw the documentary and have been interested in turning it into a musical, and we're going to be going to The Colony, which is a retreat for writers at good speed. Uh, in the next month to actually work on a musical of his life. Would you tell us a little bit about his life and who he was and how he influenced you? Well, John Kenley has the most remarkable story of anyone I've ever met. Uh, But that aside, he was a theater impresario. He really was one of the forefront pioneers of summer stock. And if you were a kid like myself from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and wanting to get into the business... What better place than to go to his summer stock, the Kenley Players, at least during the 70s when I was growing up. Um, one of the things that the Kenley Players was known for was bringing in a lot of big names to come in for a yeah. week or less than a week sometimes yeah. to do major musicals and no, major plays. That's exactly right, Rob. He created the formula that has become Broadway. He took a star, put him in a revival, and brought these, well, brought these MGM movie stars to a live theater in cities like Akron, Dayton, Columbus, Warren, where it all began, right. in front of them. And it, it was really thrilling. And, and I mean every star. Right. Every MGM star. You can't imagine the list. Well, you look at the posters that are now popping up on Facebook, and it's, you know, Ann Miller's in this, and Ginger Rogers is in that. And they got to see them in the flesh, in person, in these great American musicals. Yeah, listen, my first professional job was at age 16, dancing with Ann Miller, and anything goes. <laughs> it's my, do I see it's on my me? phone? Oh, my God, me? we're going to see a well, photo of this. Really, oh. uh, it is. Well, I don't know how God. to get rid of the uh, Were you, like, icons. dancing with her, too? Yeah. No, I was, yeah. I was, yeah, I was one of the sailor boy tap dancers. And I tried to kick higher than she did Nuh-uh. on opening night and ended up on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Never kick higher than Ann Miller. Oh, no, I learned one. that. I learned that in a hurry. <laughs> Did you get starstruck? Oh, wow, that's a good question. I don't remember. You know what? I I almost don't remember who I used to be as a performer. Yeah. Mm. 
I mean, I know I had a great experience. I know that as a child and a young adult, I love being on stage. I almost don't remember who that person is now. Yeah. I feel, I don't know what it is. The last show I performed in was my one and only when Tommy Toon left to uh, direct the national tour of nine. Mm. And so I got to marry Twiggy and dance with Honey Coles 16 times. Amazing. And at the end of that, I closed the door of my performing career because it was so stressful. You know, and that, yeah. that show starts where Billy Buck Chandler is hanging 30 feet off the ground behind a cloud. And that's where I was hanging when I heard the announcement at tonight's performance, the role usually played by Tommy Toon will be played by Jeff Calhoun. And you heard everyone in the St. James Theater go, oh, <laughs> and start to get up. But my mom and my dad and my grandmother were like, sit down, that's my son, that's my grandson. He'll be good. And so I guess some of them stayed. Yeah. But anyway, when that was over, I stopped performing and... I honestly can't tell you. I, I don't remember much about who that person was that yeah. used to love performing. Sure. It's it's weird. Well, we're so starstruck, I don't know. But yeah. I do know at the Kenley Players, and I could talk about John Kenley forever because, as I said, he was a hero to me. And one of his claim to fames is he has given more her he gave. He's no longer with us. He died at 103 years old. But his one of his great claim to fame is he gave more people, more young performers, their equity cards than anyone in the history of the theater. That's and incredible. that holds true today. That's incredible. And he not only incredible. gave them their equity card, but gave them an experience with active working professionals as well. So you're apprenticing with these... The, the best in the business yeah, at the same I, time. Yeah, absolutely. And had I not gone to Kenley, I wouldn't have met uh, Tommy Toon, who, right. as you mentioned in that wonderful introduction, <laughs> uh, I would have met Tommy, and who knows where my career would be or if I'd even have one. How well, many seasons did you I did three Kenley? seasons. Yeah. I, was our, I, I was our quarterback in high school. Right. But after I got injured, in, that summer I went to Kenley Players and then usually you do five shows at Kenley in the summer. Right. But I could only, only do four because instead of coming back to football training, I had to come back for band camp. Because mm. I went from did it all. I went from yeah, I went from quarterback to drum major. And this was before Glee. This Picking was before High School Musical. Floor right now, because you just slipped in there. You're like, yeah, I had to go back and be QB at my. <laughs> no, but I did because I hurt my knee as a oh, freshman. Right. After my freshman year, uh, I went to the Kenley Players, and I mean, I love sports. A lot of my friends sure. think I'm crazy, but I, I see sports is a perfect metaphor for the theater. Well, and dancing is like one of the hardest sports, really, if you compare it to football. It's similar. Well, you're both and athletes. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, they're both athletes. Are you still a football guy? Oh my God, I'm from Pittsburgh. Are you kidding me? I got have the Steeler game coming up. I, I don't know when this airs, oh, so I don't no, know if I'm. Right. But oh my god, are you kidding me? I was I'm just gonna very ask. excited. Oh yeah, college Steelers football too? fans. No, no, no. My, only my freshman year in high school. Mm. Then I had my knee bent backwards, which was Please. very stressful because I was supposed to be Fiedka in my community theater production <laughs> of Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. I did recover in time to do the bottle dance. Thank uh, God. But anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I'm but John Kenley, just in closing, I'm very excited about, uh, you know, honoring his life yes. and celebrating it because uh, he's also, I don't want to give away too much because he had a, he had a very interesting life. Let me just yes. say that. Yes. And yes. John Kenley was more than John Kenley. He was really a couple different people. Yes. Indeed. And I think in these times and what's happening right now in the landscape, our cultural landscape, hopefully he will provide inspiration for a lot of people that, that, that may need it. Right. That's really That's beautiful. Really we cannot wait to see it come to fruition. We will be Thank first you. in line to buy tickets. And Thank happy you. that his name will not be forgotten. Yes. Since it in, informed and helped That's so many people. That, I hope that's decades. true. He still you know? has, um, uh, let's say, mature family members 
that have reservations and don't really want me to tell his story, but I I can tell you firsthand that John asked me to tell his story and wants his story told, and I'm very proud to do that. And ultimately, I I hope that the family comes aboard and helps me celebrate his life. And that's what it is. You need to tell it. That's wonderful. I'm I'm glad. Growing up in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. how did you discover your love of musical theater or discover the love of theater in general? The television. Yeah? Oh, Oh, yeah. Every Saturday night, seeing the Ernie Flat Dancers on the Kel Burnett Show, watching Ken Berry tap dance between the F Troop episodes or Ray Bolger. You know, uh, Buddy Epson, forget the Beverly Hillbillies, just him in those old movies, that eccentric dancing and his body. And of course, the obvious are uh, Dick Van Dyke. Mm. Changed my life. Uh, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, the list goes on. I wanted to be all of those people wrapped into one. That's Mm. amazing. And Gene Kelly, being from Pittsburgh, I was fortunate enough to actually study tap dance from the same family that taught Gene Kelly. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. At that point... um, the mother, Mrs. Fairgreaves, was no longer teaching. She was collecting money at the door when you'd go in, but her daughter, Nancy Fairgreaves, was actually my teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, were your parents supportive of the interest in dance classes? Always. From the very, from the very beginning. Wow. Uh, they, That's rare. I have amazing parents. I'd like to think that they've influenced me. Well, they obviously have influenced me more than, than anyone else, oh. and I try to pass that along the way I work. I try to instill in the cast and the company the same kind of work ethics and mm-hmm. values that my parents instilled in me, mm-hmm. as corny as that sounds. Mm-hmm. But they were always very supportive. What did your mother and father do? My mother was a housewife and was a great housewife. She took care of my brother and myself, drove me to every single from basketball to wrestling to football to theater to dance class. I mean, you can't imagine. She dedicated her life to driving me where I needed to get to. Yeah. And my dad was a businessman who traveled a lot, and we moved a lot uh, growing up. And so I went to a lot of new schools, which I think ultimately helped me make friends easily and oh, yeah. uh, understand the life of a <laughs> theater person. <laughs> yeah, on the road, constantly moving. But no, they, I couldn't have asked for more supportive parents. Were you going to see live theater growing up? The first Broadway show that I went to was Chorus Line. Oh. Mm. And I just couldn't believe when you walked into the Schubert Theater that there wasn't a curtain. Mm. And then since subsequent to that, I learned that that was the first Broadway musical that didn't have a curtain. And so, of course, when I went back to Richmond High School, um, I did all the shows there without curtains. Because I wanted to be Michael Bennett. So our talent show, or whether it was Guys and Dolls, or whether it was Godspell, all the shows I was involved with, there were no curtains. Right. I said to this one, no, we can't have a curtain. <laughs> I want to be like Michael Bennett. But that was the first Broadway show I ever saw. I think I also remember, I mean, I did shows before I saw shows on the stage. Yeah. Because community theater, I was Br'er Rabbit, I was in Heidi. I, you know, I did all of that, yeah. but... I guess downtown Pittsburgh, I went to the Nixon Theater that I'm sure is no longer there, no relationship to the ex-president, and I saw a traveling production of Hair. And I don't think my parents understood because I double-dated with my brother. Okay. I had a, a girl that I brought, and he had his girlfriend... And he drove us downtown, and we went to the show. Obviously, it was well before I could drive. Yeah. And I... I was just shocked. I mean, I was I was absolutely <laughs> shocked and enamored. But I can't say there wasn't really a lot of dancing, so I can't say that actually changed my right. life. But right. I think it's right. the first show I remember seeing in a theater. Oh. Chorus Line, though, is the first show that made me go, "Oh, I would like 
to do that for the rest of my life. And you had impulses always to not just dance, but to choreograph or direct? Because you were saying yeah. you put on shows that you would, you know, be emulate Michael Bennett. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to be those performers that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. But even from, I guess, like 11 and 12 years old, I would... When I visit my grandparents, they lived in this house that had a separate garage that had a, a, a garage door that you could, with chains, you could work like you would a curtain, right. and it would raise the door of the garage door. And I, every time I visited her, I would get all the kids in the neighborhood over, and I would make up a show, and then we'd all be in the garage, and I'd put chairs out in the driveway, and then I would open the curtain. Amazing. Oh, wow. And we, I remember stopping it three feet up trying to recreate the beginning of 42nd Street where you only saw them from the yes, knees yes. down. <laughs> yep. And my mom would make you know, popcorn and my grandmother, Nanny, would make lemonade. And so uh, I always directed and You're choreographed yeah. shows. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I have cousins that won't talk to me because I made them be <laughs> these ridiculous shows. <laughs> but you can't be 15, 30, you know, and be a director. So right. you have to start, you know, I... You have to pay your dues. Exactly. And you, you know, I was a dancer, yeah. and then I was a dancer that had a couple lines in a show, mm -hmm. and then I had a dancer that got to be like on a white contract, mm -hmm. which meant you were a principal. Right. And then, you know, you work your way up. Yeah. You work your way up. Yeah. But I wasn't really good enough to be completely candid with you. Okay. No, I wasn't really good enough. I. Yeah, I, it was smart that I moved on. <laughs> Let's just say that. I think we've all had that yeah. at some point in our journey. I, I mean, as I would audition, I'd have this out-of-body experience where I would look at myself and go, I wouldn't even hire you. Uh -huh. And that's not a good, that's no. not, no, no, no. We ask all of our guests, what was your go-to audition song? Oh, well, there were a couple that, you know, all I need is the girl. Mm -hmm. Classic. Although that G was really hard, and I'd sweat it out, and I would just what? scream it for a while. And I, you know, oh, my Lord. Um, what's the other one that when you can't sing, you always sing? Um, Pippin. Um, Corner of the Sky? Corner, uh, no, that was too high. No, 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 no. And that's my idea of a perfect day when you're extraordinary. <laughs> you got to do it because the range wasn't too great. So it's funny because to this day when someone comes in to sing that, I go, I wonder if they can sing. Right. Because right, I chose right. that song because I couldn't really sing. I would act the heck out of it. But, yeah. you know. That's amazing. I think you're our first guest to say extraordinary from Pippin. Yeah, as an oh, audition really? Song. Well, that's how old I am. Now it's all, you know, please. It's okay. Richard J. Alexander gave a seesaw, so you're okay. Yeah. You're Okay, great. Yep. Okay, great. We're moving on. Um, we'll cut that out. Mm -hmm. No, Seesaw, I, are you kidding me? All right, I went to Northwestern University. Uh -huh. um, after my freshman year, I was going to direct the next show the following year, and it was going to be Seesaw. Because my mentor being Tommy Toon, and you know, yeah. a lot of people didn't know it, didn't know the show Seesaw. Right, right. Um, and, a, and it's never been revived, actually. But anyway, I wanted to do it at Northwestern. It's my little tribute to Tommy Toon, my recent mentor. And I cast Jane Atkinson. Yes, the fabulous. I had I went to school with you know Megan Mullally, yeah, uh, Jane Atkinson. There, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Um, anyway, Jane does not sing. I, I I don't think she'd be offended by that. I think she she does not sing. You know what? It did it did not matter. She was so good. She goes, but Jeff, it's a musical. I say it doesn't matter. You are so good. You're going to play Giddle in Seesaw. Now, unfortunately. During that summer vacation is when Tommy asked me to be in the national tour of the Best Little Horse in Texas. So I never got to go back to direct mm. Jane in Seesaw. Maybe, and to this day, I would love to do a revival of Seesaw. Yes, please. Well, yeah. come on down to 54 Below, you and Jane. <laughs> 
I would do a concert. That's what I think. That's not. That's it's because it's a good score. It's a great. People, I mean, oh my god, you saw the people that like of a certain era that were there when they either saw it or know the LP. Love. Oh come on, Cy Coleman, I Dorothy, Fields. Dorothy Fields. Dorothy Fields. It's a, you love Dorothy yeah, Fields. I mean, it was Tommy Tunes. I believe it was his first yes. Tony Award, Best Supporting yeah, Actor. It was. Was, yeah. was it nineteen seventy three or something like that? Yeah. Wow, so my, you know everything. We uh, we love. You've been it. doing this. Well. No, so we just really love. You guys know history. We I just happened I'm, to found something to talk about. <laughs> how, so if you if we don't you don't mind rewinding, what was it like when you first met Tommy Tune, and how did you meet him? Well, you have to remember. Coming from Pittsburgh, <laughs> I didn't know a lot of exotic people. Okay. You know, and Tommy had um, silver toenails. Literally. Now that may, well, no, not that he painted them. Yes, it wasn't like he okay. No, 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 like he was like in the Guinness World Book. No, he literally painted his toenails silver, and. I just can't believe I haven't thought about this for like a million years. See, I don't remember what that 16-year-old felt on stage or whether I was starstruck with Ann Miller, but I remember being at the pool, the hotel in Akron, Ohio, and looking at Tommy Tune's toenails and going, oh my God, a, a boy has silver toenails. Right. <laughs> now, this was 1976, so we put it in context. Yeah. It was So, you know, how did I... I mean, that impression has stayed with me. Indeed. And uh, God, you know, we... Uh, but there was something about us. We were very similar... I went to a um, a reader. Is that what they're called? Someone who tells you about your past and your oh, like a tarot, like a medium. medium. But no, there weren't a medium. Yeah, yeah, it was. I forget. Uh, Linda Walton, I think, was her name in California. And I went to her when I was 21 years old, and she said to me, "There's an important person in your life who is twice your age." Well, at that point, I was 21. Tommy Tune was 42. Mm. She said, you, you were like cowboys and Indian. He, he was an Indian, and Tommy has Indian in his blood. Mm. And you pricked your fingers, and you became like blood brothers. And it really was kind of crazy for me, because I was like, wow, she's describing this man that actually, next to my parents, had the greatest influence on my life. And it was Tommy Tune. That's and I'm not like no, you know, no, that no, kind of like yes, totally. <laughs> kind right, of a person. Right. But anyway, so... From that indelible memory of those silver toenails, to this day, I saw him uh, two days ago at a party that we've remained very good friends, and he literally changed my, he just changed my life. Yeah. And, and this business is that way, yes. yeah. right? It's You can be really talented, but you have to meet the right people, and you have to be in the right place at the right time. And be ready you know? for it. Well, yeah, you have to deliver when given the opportunities, but... I just feel such a responsibility to try to find people and help them and give them opportunities because I know that's how my career happened. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm sorry. No, no <laughs> I don't exactly know why I got lost no, on no, that no, train no, of thought. No, but who were some of the influential teachers you had at college? You know what, college. That, we, we, uh, can people hear that? I don't want them to think no. of, like having gas. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, we'll tell our listeners what's happening, because it happens a lot while we record here. Um, we are now recording in an upstairs voice studio. Um, usually Which we've the, never done before. This is a first for us. Usually there's an off-key soprano to the left of us, but to the right, someone keeps opening a door. It sounds like an elephant, but it's not Jeff. Jeff is feeling perfectly fine, so don't be worried. Mexican. It wasn't Just me. fine. It was not me. Don't worry. If you hear this, don't worry, folks. Okay, so you're asking about... I have to tell you, since uh, my teachers, my great influences were not 
at Northwestern. Mm. Listen, Northwestern was great for a lot of things, but prior to that, you have to remember, I'd done three years at the Kenley Players with Mr. John Kenley, the most exotic person that you'll ever meet, and I worked with Barry Manilow, I mean, um, not Barry Manilow, with Barry Williams, (laughs) you know, Greg from the Brady Bunch, who is cool, and Maxine Andrews of the Andrews Sisters, and, you know, Shirley MacLaine and... uh, it, it just went, it just, Lucy Arnaz, Tommy Toon, the list just went on, and I, Henry Winkler, all of these people that were big stars, and yeah. it was very exciting for me. So by the time I got to Northwestern, you know, I was a freshman, and we had to do, like, crew, hmm. and backstage, and props before they'd let you be, and right. I don't know, you know, I was young, and just, I don't know, it was different. I was, I just wanted to be in the shows, and I wanted to choreograph the shows, mm-hmm. And for some reason, they were kind enough to let me do it. I think because I had my union card, mm-hmm. and not a lot of kids did. No. They did let me choreograph Gypsy and play Tulsa, which is right. why I know Whirl is a G, and I yeah. barely do it. <laughs> and the, the, we have something called the Wam Yu Show at Northwestern yep. that's very famous. Um, I got to choreograph that oh, and, wow. and be in that. So I had fun at Northwestern, and I did what... 18-year-olds do when they go away to college. I might have done it too much and too early in the morning. So my memory of college isn't really about the the teachers. (laughs) But the the social... But I had a... Let me just say I had a really good time. (laughs) And it's probably a good thing I didn't go back after my freshman year. (laughs) So you you booked... I mean, you, Tommy... Booked you into the tour. Yeah, he had me audition. Of, okay. we, that was back in the days when you still auditioned on Broadway stages. We love these kinds of yeah. stories. Because I remember it was at the Winter Garden Theater, yeah. and it was just an empty stage. It was a dark theater. Right. And, uh, you know, it was petrifying. Yeah. I don't know if he knew I was going to be in the show or if I knew, but I went through the processes, and I bought a new shirt. You know, at Kaufman's, oh. which is oh. Pittsburgh on Route 19. Oh, yes. And I wore that plaid shirt because I thought it looked like country and, <laughs> and Texas. And I was soaking wet by the end of the audition. I mean, soaking wet. And it was really, it, it was frightening. It was a frightening experience. And they don't, we don't do that anymore. Rarely do we have auditions on stage like that. But yeah. this was like the old movies, where they were sitting in the house. Oh, yeah. yeah. The lights were on us. It was an empty stage. We were facing out. And you just heard voices in the dark void talking to you. It's terrifying. It was terrifying. Yes. But you got it. But I did get that. But that was the national tour with Alexis Smith. And toured for 18 months. And, um, you know, it was a big deal because Tommy had to talk with my parents about leaving Northwestern, which was a very big deal right. in my family uh, to quit school to tour in the best little whorehouse in Texas. I mean, but yeah. I just want to take a step back. You saying Tommy Toon spoke to your parents. Yes. Well, but don't forget, we had done summer stock together. Yeah, so they kind of knew who so he nice was. So nice of him to do, though. And, uh, the deal was they would let me do it if I agreed at the end of the tour to return to college. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still waiting for that. And the reason I know that is um, the, the, um, the first uh, Tony nomination that I got, I just was nervous. I went with myself and, um, and my boyfriend at the time. But then after the Newsies nomination... I invited my parents to go. And after the award ceremony, I said to my dad, I hope you think now with two Tony nominations that I made the right decision by leaving college. And he looked at me very seriously and he said, well, if you had stayed in college, you might have (laughs) won. So okay, you can't. You know, can't we're still them. living Touché. that one. Yes. We're still living that negotiation. Maybe he's right. <laughs> you know, maybe he's right. What was it like working with Alexis Smith? 
I love that your followers like know these names. First of all, John Kenley, you've blown me away because oh. no one knows John Kenley. Alexis oh. Smith was one of the most fabulous people that she had. She was known for her legs. Mm-hmm. They say she she had like the best walk in Hollywood and the best gams, mm. and she was a very famous B movie star married to uh, Craig Stevens, who was Peter Gunn, and that was always exciting. Although Peter Gunn was before my time, I knew of it, and so it was exciting when he came to visit Alexis because he was a big TV star. And but Alexis, she was listen. I remember we were we were out of town at the Colonial Theater, and she t- she was staying at that fancy hotel there at the time. I don't remember the name the of it. No, it was the one... Well, I don't know the I name, but they had a beautiful restaurant, and I know she She was the first person that ever asked me to taste escargot because, you know, we didn't have a lot of escargot in the North Hills yes. of Pittsburgh <laughs> growing up on Fruit 19. Permanente Brothers doesn't offer escargot. And no, it does. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think the only way I kept it down was because I knew I was with Alexis Smith. I didn't want to cause a scene. <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't have a sophisticated palate as it comes Same. to it. I have not Same. had an escargot since Alexis <laughs> Smith. But she was great. Oh. You know, she was really great. Now, she wasn't a singer, right. which was kind of funny, but she was a movie star, and she had great legs, and she was a great actress. But she would warm up every night in her dressing room oh, no. as if she was a singer. Yes. And it was Really yeah. great. I wish I had tape recordings of it. Oh no, because it was really, it defies description. Oh. <laughs> but she was wonderful, and she was great, and she was great in the part. Oh, wish I could have seen that. Yeah. Um, what's it like making your Broadway debut in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Well, it was just awful. Because, <laughs> again, I fell <laughs> on opening night, like with, you know, yeah, and Tommy was in the audience, my parents was in the audience. Yes, kicking too high. I was just too excited. That's my problem. I tend to be too excited to do things and to be places, <laughs> which is why I'm better off the stage, so my excitement can, yes. I can have other people translate my excitement. Yes. So, and we, we opened on a Thursday. Friday, Frank Rich's review said seven brides for seven clowns. And huh. Sunday we closed, yeah. and I got in a car and went to Fire Island and mourned, mourned that and on, with Tommy and Fire Island. Yeah. Not so bad. Do you want to ask <laughs> about your favorite person who was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Debbie Boone? No, not Debbie Boone. Oh, David Carroll. Yeah, Kevin. I am I, well, another name that we. There's certain names that we I just can't believe try you to know bring David. Up. He's he is the. Yeah. I love talking about him on here. One of the it's biggest important. shames. Uh, Truly, David's not with us. Yeah. Obviously a victim of his time, yeah. of our time, I should yeah, say, not yeah. his time. And David was one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. David was so generous to everybody and enormously talented. Yeah, yeah, he was a good friend. I loved him. Yeah. I, I just loved him. Didn't he go on to do chess? Yes, before he did. He mm-hmm. did chess that's right, and, and Grand, Grand Hotel. Hotel and then no, I remember, oh, that's right, I remember Grand Hotel. The recording of Grand Hotel, famously. But God, a, a real, I remember a the real old, legend. You know? He is a legend. He's just such a great guy. What year was Grand Hotel? That 89. opened in 89. 89. Yeah. I remember be, I was so devastated by that show that, and it was in the theater. It wasn't called, it's different now. It wasn't called the Hirschfeld. It was the Martin Beck. It was the Martin, Martin Beck. Beck. And I remember yeah. going down after the show, down to the bowels of the theater with Tommy because he had to get me away because I was I was weeping. Yeah. I was so amazed with what Tommy had done. Yeah. We hadn't seen anything like that before. The style, right. the concepts. You know, Tommy put his DNA on everything. And when you went to the theater and it said a Tommy Toon show, you always knew you were going to see something you hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And as a 
budding director, I was, I guess, half intimidated by it, but mostly just inspired. And I just couldn't control myself. And he had to take me down into the bowels of the theater and calm me down because I just couldn't stop crying. I was so moved by that production. And David was great and Jeter was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone. I mean, what a cast. What a cast, Lilia. I mean, what a cast. When did you first know that you wanted to be a director? When did that flame start to flicker? I think putting on those shows in my grandma's garage. But what about pursuing it professionally to say, I'm not going to be a dancer anymore? I think there's an inevitability and, you know, Robert Frost, you know, talks about the secret confessions a man makes in his heart are his greatest source of wisdom. And I think I'm a realist and somewhere in the the secret confession, I knew that I wasn't really good enough to continue being a performer and that, you know, starring in my one and only may have been the pinnacle of that. And so I just closed the door on that and moved on to the next logical step, which was, you know, choreography and then direction. Because as a performer, you're limited by your physical abilities. As a director choreographer, you're limited only by your imagination. And so I was, I just knew, I just knew that. That's where you wanted to go. Well, I had to go there. Yeah. And did you know that you could work with Tommy, that you could assist him? Or did you ask him to, you know, learn from him? Or was it just sort of a symbiotic relationship that just happened on its own? Wow, it's a good question. I don't think I've ever heard that question or thought about it. I don't think I asked him anything. I think there was sort of a, given that I think we were soulmates or are soulmates, there was some inevitability there. I think most things in life that happen are inevitable, Mm -hmm. both on and off stage. Like when you meet your partner, like my husband, I think that was inevitable Mm -hmm. that we met. And when you have a show that's new, you're praying for that moment where it starts to leave you and then the next scene becomes inevitable. I think you look in life for inevitabilities, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that shows you you're on the right track when things work that way. Yeah. That's good. At least that, that's what I've found. At least that's been true for me. For those of us who have never been in a room while Tommy Toon is creating something, what makes him so special as a leader of a room? Well, I think that process begins well before you're in the room. I think that begins when you hear him talk about a script to a designer. Mm-hmm. And then it carries through to his casting, and then, then it carries through in the rehearsal room. I mean, I don't know, how do you how do you explain genius? It's just, how do you, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to put into words his imagination, but it's his imagination. It's imagination. Yeah, he's one of the, he's just a true artist. I mean, the thing is, what you know, in his mind, he's a song and dance man. He's a tap dancer. But for me, he's really a true artist that I wish would just get back in and give us more shows as a director. Yeah. But he just loves... He loves to tap dance for people. Great. And I think he'd rather be on the road right now with Cheetah, which is what he's which doing, he's doing yeah. than yeah. being in the back of the house creating a new Broadway musical. Yeah, it is, because he is really an artist and, yeah, and a yeah. genius. Yeah. And I don't use that word loosely, but he's a genius. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What does an associate choreographer do? How would you define that? Pick up the slack so your mentor, if he's a genius like Tommy Toon, is allowed the breathing space to do what he does well. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, there's not really a way to define it. It's like maybe if he lays the bricks as the genius, you come along and fill in the cracks that need to be filled so his foundation is stronger. Did you pursue any other sort of mentorships with any other choreographers? I mean, you're working with the best of the best, so I don't know if you did or not. Ask besides, it again. You mean like did besides, I yeah. learn from other, or did have you, I passed on? No, did, no, I hope you haven't passed on. Um, did you work with other mentors besides Tommy Toon? Did you ever try to seek out a mentorship with, say, a Bob Fosse? Or well, Gary that was Bob Michael was before did. my time. Yeah. Michael Bennett was before my time. No, yeah. I have to say I didn't because from the time Tommy and I started working together, that was enough. I yeah. mean, there were, at, he was the, he was at the top of his game. I think in the eighties. I think Frank Rich even said after the nine to five. I mean, after nine to five after the Grand Hotel <laughs> review. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, "Perhaps there isn't a greater mind working in the American musical theater today than Tommy Toon. So I don't quite know where to go from there. And I was with him for so long that when it was time to move on, I was kind of on my own. How does Grease come into your orbit? Grease came into my orbit because Barry and Fran Weisler wanted Tommy Toon to direct it. And Tommy was at a point in his career where that did not interest him. He said, however, I have this protege who I think can do this. And as a insurance policy. Now, this is me talking. This is, I'm sure there may be another side to the story, but from my perception, Tommy said, I will be your insurance policy. So you can call it the Tommy Toon production of Grease, but it will be directed and choreographed by Jeff Calhoun. So I think if I was not delivering or if we were in trouble, Tommy would have come in if needed. If needed. Um, so I think that's uh, I think that's how it worked out. Okay, so big Broadway show, revival of this major iconic story. Where do you begin? How do you begin directing a piece? Are you talking about Greece? We'll talk yeah. about Greece. We'll take Greece, Greece specifically. Greece is interesting because you're getting me to be very honest to you. I have to well, Greece. I'm one of the few people. I probably shouldn't even say this, but Greece is not like my dream show to make my Broadway debut. Right. I know people love it, so it's you know sacrilegious to even say that, but I had to figure out how to fall in love with Greece. And that's why I think our Greece was very different than the original or the subsequent revival. MTV had just created a sensation. We had never seen a TV channel that just had these fast cut editing things. So MTV had just come out. So I wanted to make Greece kind of the first MTV sensibility Broadway musical. Because I thought it needed that kind of storytelling. And also the challenge was, usually it's a 
John Travolta, or it's Barry Bostwick. It, the star is Danny. Yeah. Well, in this situation, the star was Rosie O'Donnell. So we had to figure out right from the beginning Without, how. To, I mean, that was sorry, and not playing. I'm sorry, not playing Danny Zuko. Right, but like that, everyone went like, into this knowing not that, that she couldn't. No, I, but, <laughs> but we knew going in that she was going to be the star. That's right, but it's also Greece, and you know Rizzo's the third. You know, I mean, it's Danny, right. Sandy, and Rizzo. Right. So right from the beginning, the idea was. I mean, my thought process was, okay, how, and John McDaniel had a huge, I mean, John McDaniel's contribution to the revival of Greece is um, invaluable. I mean, it's invaluable. You can't separate its success from what mm. John did. But we sat down and went, how are we going to reintroduce these characters to the world after all these years? And they'd seen the movie since yeah. the original Broadway show, so how are we going to do that? So we, we created what we called Roll Call. So the curtain would go up and everyone would be in silhouette facing upstage. And one at a time, starting stage right, they would turn as they would be front lit and they would say, you know, yeah. Roger, yeah. Frenchie, Cha Cha. Yeah. And we would go down the lit, down the line until the finally it was all the way downstage left was and Rizzo. Bum 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 bum. And we were off. Mm. So I think that was that was one of the keys. Before that, even, I didn't know how to start the show because it starts with that old fashioned alma mater. Yes. Right? And I, that did not grab it's me. It's like the only time we have that in the entire original. Like, yes, it's, well, it's just a little weird. Playing, yeah. yeah. It didn't grab me, and I didn't know how to do it, quite frankly. And I had a friend at the time who was a very funny stand up comedian who I wanted to play Vince Fontaine. Uh -huh. So I guess just to save you know, my butt from something I didn't know how to do, is I thought, if I don't like the beginning of the show, I won't have a beginning to the show. So when people walk in off the street, Vince Fontaine is on stage spinning records, so it feels like the show is already in progress. So you come in and you start dancing, you go up on stage and you dance, and it's already in progress. And then Miss Lynch, I stole from my community theater director, Priscilla Gardner, who used to start every rehearsal blowing her whistle. <laughs> so we're spinning records, and all of a sudden, Marsha Lewis in the back of the house, who's playing Miss Lynch, blows the whistle. Yes. The DJ stops spinning records. She goes, OK, everyone, class in order. And she walks down the aisle, and we go into the show. Brilliant. So just little things like that. And John's arrangements. I mean, come on, we had Sam Harris. So imagine Duty's song, Magic Changes, oh, yeah. just killed it. Uh, and he was the Star Search winner well, right. well before oh, right. the one now. Um, American Idol. Star yes, Search was the first no, yeah, of that. I grew up watching so it. Yeah. We made that, um, much to the critics' chagrin, we <laughs> actually intentionally made that song kind of a Star Search number. Yeah. We also had Billy Porter I for mean, crying out loud. So rather than normally that role of Teen Angel is like a Pat Boone character, right. Pat Boone ripped off Little Richard. And so I thought, let's go back to Little Richard. And so that's what we did yep. with uh, uh, Billy. So anyway, we had a lot of fun, but it was just me kind of modifying the show in a way that I would find really entertaining. <laughs> so I had to fall in love with it to create what luckily, you know, ran four years. I was going to say it Much to the credit of the Weislers, because as I said, I, I refer to it as it was the love boat of Broadway. <laughs> I mean, listen, we had Dominic Dawes in the show to keep us running, and she wasn't really, an, you know, an actress, singer, dancer. That's not what she was known for, for all, for all, for all of her, all of her, all of her scenes. I just had her walk us down the because she was an Olympic, you know, gold medal winner. So anyway. Yeah, no, no. We, oh, Al Jarreau. Yeah. I mean, you could write a book just on the people that came in and out of that revolving door. <laughs> you know, but it kept the show open. It, it they're brilliant. The at, there's no they one better. Good. There's no one better at that than Fran yeah. and Barry, and I'm yeah. very grateful to them. You we had a nice chat with him. Uh, we yeah. chat with Barry. Yeah, yeah. It, was great. it was nice. Yeah. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Was there someone that they cast or you cast that made you go, "Oh God, how are we going to pull this one off?" 
And maybe well, you were pleasantly surprised by the end. Well, listen, I never <laughs> thought that we would have a Patty Simcox that would do all of her scenes standing on her hands. Okay. Um, no, I have to say, everybody brought something. It was fun. Yeah. I have to say, it was fun. Whether it was Lucy Lawless, who at the time was so big with Xena, Princess oh, yeah. Warrior. Huge. And, you know, and it was a chance for... Brooke Shields at the time to play against type and oh, to play yes. Rizzo. You know, no, it was really, I have to tell you, it was really, Chubby Checkers, for God's sakes. I got to work with Chubby Checkers <laughs> and Al Jarreau. I mean, it, I won't tell you about going into his dressing room without knocking. I learned a lesson there. Let's just <laughs> say <knock>. that. But <laughs> no, I just thought they did what needed to be done to keep the show open and to entertain people. And that's what we did. Your yes. original cast, which included uh, people like Rosie O'Donnell and Hunter Foster. Megan Mullally. Megan let's not forget Megan, who, yeah. I, who I went to Northwestern with, as right. I mentioned earlier. That was her Broadway debut. Yeah. How do you get all of your actors in the same world? One of the things that I'm always so impressed by whenever I see a show that you direct is it looks like everybody is in the same exact story, no matter how stylized or naturalistic the piece. Yeah. So I'm wondering how you go about that process. I'm not sure I can tell you how to accomplish that. I think just knowing that you have to ask that question of how do mm. I do that and know that it's important to do that because you're absolutely right and it's a really good question. So many times you see contrary tones on stage and I just call it keeping it of the same tone mm. and I just think that's a director's job. You know, you have to marry the physical production to the text. It all starts with the text and being sure everyone is in the same show as you just say. Or has the same, I think just being aware of it yeah is important because it doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult, but I can't tell you I know how to do it. I just know that every day you ask, you, you check yourself to be sure that that's being accomplished. What to you is the ideal rehearsal process? Do you like to do a lot of table work? Do you like to get them right on their feet real fast? How do you like to work? It depends, I think, if it's a revival or if it's a new musical. Yeah. Obviously, if, it, if it's a revival, the table work has been done for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, usually people better than yourself. <laughs> but a new musical, yeah, it starts, you have to be sure that what you're asking the actors to do works on page before you move it to the stage. Mm -hmm. So there's much more table work on a new show than there is on a revival. But do you enjoy that process? Or do you enjoy sitting around talking about it? Or, or do you just want to get on your feet and go? If you had, oh, if you had your... Good, you know, my fit... I love finding a show that speaks to me that has heart and then working with my designers. Mm -hmm. That's could be my favorite part of the process mm. because by the time I get into the first day of rehearsal you already know how the show moves the set usually in my shows are another character in the show yeah. and I know how we get when the curtain goes up if there is a curtain how we get from scene one to scene two to scene three we have that all storyboarded mm -hmm. and I love that process because that is the choreography mm -hmm. that's doing that's my hat as a choreographer mm -hmm. I'm choreographing the scenery before there's an actor even hired. Right. And I love that process. So a lot of that work's done by the yeah. time I start with the actors. So do I like doing a lot of table read? It's, I would say it differently. I think a good director hires the people that are best for the role. And so your work is done for you. 90% of your work is done for you if you're hiring the right person. Mm -hmm. What am I going to tell Jeremy Jordan about how to play Jack Kelly 
that he hasn't been given by Harvey and by Alan and by Jack. Mm -hmm. So I think it's in casting. Mm. And I don't need to hear myself talk a lot. I like to talk as little as possible, so I only say something when I think it's appropriate. I also don't want to say too much because I want my fellow collaborators to give me something better than I could ever articulate. That's great. So I'm more of a referee, more mm -hmm. of an umpire, yeah, no, more right. of a arbiter of taste than I am spoon-feeding people. Yeah. Taste is a word that comes up taste a lot when we word interview word. a lot of directors. That yeah. seems to be the big T word. Um, I'm so Taste so, and tone. Taste yeah. and I tone. I think those are yeah, two very important qualities for a director. I'm so... Uh, I'm, I'm interested because after you direct and choreograph Grease, the next couple of Broadway credits you have are choreography. You're choreographing Annie Get Your Gun, and you're choreographing Bells Are Ringing. You're not directing them. Um, you were okay moving, taking off that hat for a little bit, the director hat? I don't... You know what? I, I wonder if that was out of necessity. Hmm. Was Brooklyn... Right after, where was Brooklyn? Brooklyn was that later. Hurt? Was yeah. that before? No, that was later after yeah. his other choreographic uh -huh. yeah. jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after the Big River. Well, I can tell you, it wasn't by some grand of me saying, you know what, I don't want to direct. Mm -hmm. It was going where the work was yeah. and wanting to work with that person. Like for instance, Anna Get Your Gun. Why would I not want to work with Graziella Danielle? So that was a no-brainer. Yeah, and my ego is such that I don't. I don't mind what job I would have if I'm working with people that I look up to and I want to learn from. Mm. There's not much I wouldn't do if I was working with, you know, I mean, if Baz Luhrmann wanted me to do anything, I'd be in the room. Yeah. I would Absolutely. do props. Yeah. I would do, you know, there are, <laughs> there are just people that I still want to learn from. Yeah. yeah. So I think clearly people weren't offering me jobs to direct. The jobs that were coming my way, you know, were choreographing and to get your gun. And what else did you mention? Uh, bells are ringing. Yeah, bells are ringing. That was a difficult. Yeah, that was difficult for me. I didn't. I have not had very many difficult situations. Even shows that aren't successful or are not don't run a long time or pay back the investors. I've had great experiences sure, on. Sure. Bells are ringing was tricky because I love Tina so much, but we had different ideas. I think of what this show this could have Tina Landau, been. Who's Tina Landa, who has this huge hit right now right at now, the Palace, yeah. which I couldn't be happier Sponge for Bob, her. Yeah. And I actually. Um, was offered that job to direct that job. But Tina and I had done a, a, a concert of it at the Kennedy Center, and she was the director at that point. And this was before I was offered to do it in New York. And I told the producer at the time that I think Tina had a better handle on the show than I would have done. And so um, it, it was of my own doing, but uh, and I loved her, but we just had very different sensibilities. I always saw it as a valentine to the theater. Mm. And she's just so cool and hip that I think she was pushing it in a different direction. And if ever there was a show for painted drops, and yes. I thought, you know, it was Bells Are Ringing. But, you know, when you start a show with a movie, yeah. which we did, it's really hard in my mind to compete with that. Yeah. So we just had different takes, but... You know, that's what's great about the arts. It's a very subjective thing. Very I have true. nothing but respect and admiration for Tina and couldn't be happier for her success. Um, you write the arts are subjective, but one thing I think we can, it's not subjective, is the fact that when Big River came out, everybody loved it. When your Big River came Death out. West. When did you start your relationship yeah. with Death West? Because it was before that, wasn't it? It was before yeah, that. We the, the first show we did at Death West was Oliver. Right. Yeah. 
which was uh, still a highlight. I mean, yeah. Big River was was also, but Oliver was just great. It was an intimate, you know, I read articles about Cameron talking about Oliver is all about the architecture. But for our production of Des Deaf West, it was more about architecture of the heart because mm. it was a very intimate, modest production with nothing but sort of a Shakespearean set and a streetlight. Now, before we talk about Big River, what is the objective of Deaf West Theater for our listeners who might be unfamiliar? Yeah, it's hard for me because a man named Ed Waterstreet was the genius behind that. So I don't know how he would answer that. What uh, For me, yes. it was the first time that a theater piece had half the cast deaf, half the cast hearing. It was a musical, but you did not discriminate for a deaf audience where their focus was supposed to be. Until then, you always had people signing shows, standing off to the side. Yes. So if you were a deaf audience, you missed the show because you had to look stage left right. or right at the signer. And Big River was the first time where we put the focus on the person who was actually supposed to be delivering the lines, whether in sign language or vocally. Mm. And that had not been done before. Did you? How did Deaf West come into your orbit? Did you... Uh, a guy named Bill O'Brien, a really good friend of mine, played Will Rogers for me in the Sacramento production of the Will Rogers Follies. And when, he, when I got that job, the Will Rogers Follies was known for being done at the Palace Theater on a stage filled with a huge staircase. Right. Well, Sacramento was in the round. You can't have a staircase. And so I guess, as Bill tells it, this sounds very self-serving. I'm a little embarrassed, but he, was, he just thought... He was impressed that I figured out how to redo the show without a staircase, okay. when it was designed for a staircase, that I guess when the opportunity came up for him to reach out to a director to do a musical where half the cast was deaf, he said, you know, call the guy who did Will Rogers without a staircase. <laughs> you know, and, and I had grease running at the time, and I'm embarrassed to say I was, I kind of poo-pooed the idea. I thought, I'm going to go to Lancashire Boulevard for yeah. $250 to do a show, a musical where half the cast makes is deaf. Sense. I mean, well, now I look back and I'm so ashamed of my arrogance because as most things in life mm -hmm. that scare you that you dive into, it was the greatest thing I could have done. And it also changed my life, mm -hmm. profoundly changed my life and made me a much better storyteller, mm -hmm. Did you, overcoming the challenges. Right. Did yeah. you know any ASL going into this? I never had met a deaf person. So you're going into this totally... Oh yeah! It, wow! Yeah, it was uh, it was it was really hard. I know it's uh, it was. I'm not pretending. I was. You where know, do you start? I don't even know where you start. That's exactly. Right. You know what? You start with page one. <laughs> no, you do. You start yeah, with page one, right. and then I know in the script it said, you know, there's a knock on the door, and I'm waiting for the knock, and everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy, and I go, oh right, we can't knock on the door because they won't hear it, and that's where it began. <laughs> And I went, well, how, what do we do? And they said, well, we have lights as cues. Oh, okay, so we'll do a light, not a knock. And it just, I just, in solving every challenge as it arose, this new vocabulary and this new language emerged. And it wasn't some mastermind of me. It was truly just solving problems as they came up, mm. wow. which I think is what a director does. Yeah. 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 Would you like to go back down that route at some point? Or are there Absolutely. Other shows that Absolutely. It's just, it's really hard because it's very expensive because of the interpreters and the translators. Mm. And then you have to think of the dressing rooms have to be rewired right. to accommodate the deaf actors, and the stage has to be rewired. People just don't know how. It's just so expensive. And, and as much yeah. as people um, 
liked Big River, it never made its money back. Rocco Landisman always called it the Go to Heaven Project because all the investors knew they'd never see their money back, but they just believed in it right. so much. So it's that's going to be it's difficult. Let yeah. me just say that it's difficult. Was there a moment in the, the creation of the show where you thought to yourself, "I have no idea how to tell this part of the story," and then you found a solution that makes you go, "I'm so proud of that." Well, those are yeah, there are separate questions all yes. the time. You go home going, yeah. "I don't know how to do that." More often than not, you solve them, but that's not um, mathematically equivalent to being proud of it. Mm. I mean, maybe you're proud that you solved the problem, right. but it's not like you created something that will be on your top 10 list of mm. being proud. Yeah. Um, I think, though, what you might be um, insinuating is the moment in the show that people remember where we did turn off the volume. Yes. But the people continued with the visuals. Yes. It makes me want to cry even right now. And um, again, that was not, that was out of me just being very cognizant of my surroundings during a time where Michael Gilliam was taking an inordinate amount of time with this lighting cue. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, rather than just sit there going I crazy, Steve Landau, our musical director, decided to rehearse um, Waiting for the Light, because that's where we, where we were in the show. And as you remember, I don't know if you remember, but the upstage, we opened these sliders to reveal the ensemble. And so that's the cue that Michael Gilliam was lighting. So we had our band upstage, not unlike Grand Hotel, but yeah. just off to the side. <laughs> And not as expensive <laughs> than without Jack Lee. But anyway, oh, oh, Jack Lee. I know we could. I know, right? God, you guys know. He's my mentor when I came to New York. Yeah, That's, you guys are amazing. Yeah. You guys should have a show. Oh wait. <laughs> so, um, so, so yes. we're in that queue, and Steve Landau is uh, rehearsing with the ensemble, both the hearing and deaf actors. I'm waiting for the light, and we're signing sure. and we're singing. And then all of a sudden, Steve wanted to make it correct something. And so he made the gesture you make when you cut off the orchestra, and the orchestra stopped, and the hearing singers stopped. But the deaf actors continued to oh. sign, and I happened to see that moment. And I had the feeling in that moment that the audiences had in our show. And I'm like, oh my god, yeah. how do I incorporate this into the show? And we just happened to be at that moment where we were at the climax for Huck, mm -hmm. where actually he's supposed to hit bottom. Mm -hmm. And I just thought at that moment, if we did that, it would the audience would immediately identify with Huck's plight, yeah. both in the show, contextually, and in life as a deaf actor, yes. as a human. And uh, <laughs> again, that was just, and a lot of being a director is just being aware mm -hmm. of your surroundings and the circumstances, so you don't have a missed opportunity. Right. Mm. Mm. How do you handle conflict in a rehearsal hall? I have to say, this is really going to sound like BS, but I haven't often, in my later years, when, you know, as a director of the show, I haven't really had conflict. Mm -hmm. Younger, on my way up, you're thrown into positions that may create conflict. Sure. Um, when you brought in to doctor a show, mm. or, you know, that's different. But when I've been at the helm from the beginning, I really can't, I'm looking back over all the shows that you've mentioned thus far, and I can honestly tell you, I don't work with conflict, mm -hmm. and I don't hire people that I think are gonna create conflict. So I, I don't know how to answer that question. You hear you know, a lot of people in the drama of the theater. I haven't really, we haven't really had that. I haven't had that anyway. We've been lucky, we've asked that question a lot, and it, and it comes up 
People give us the same answer a lot, so you're, you're not an anomaly. Um, talk to me about the role of a show doctor. Yeah, I don't really, I mean... You don't have to mention any titles, have, but... I don't know. It's the only doctor <laughs> you where you don't need a license. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I've, I've, I've probably uh, doctored four shows... Wow, um, that I can With think no of. Credit, you, you no, never, you don't. No, yeah. you don't. That's the whole point. Is it's that like you don't get credit. You're there. To, you're there to help. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I learned early, and I learned it from Tommy, is you don't accept those jobs unless you talk to the person that you're helping to doctor, and uh-huh. they approve and welcome you with open arms. Wow. Because if they don't do that, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to. No. I wouldn't want to do that to a person because it's it's always very emotional, sensitive time. And we're all in this together, and it's like family and brethren. And I don't know personally, I wouldn't do that if someone didn't want to welcome me with open arms, because I've also been on the other end of that. Oh, have you? And it's yeah, you never want to make someone else feel the way someone has made you feel. If yeah. It's not a good memory yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to live. I try to live that way. I also try to live in a way where I handle every situation the way I want to remember having handled it. Mm. Mm. I call it immediate foresight. (laughs) (laughs) That's really lovely. How did um, Brooklyn come into your radar? Is there an interesting story how that uh, came to... The story's not so interesting. I mean, a good friend of mine, Scott Price, introduced me to this guy. What was interesting is this guy. He's crazy, Mark Schoenfeld, and we were in the Central Park because I didn't want a stranger to come into my apartment. So I'm sitting outside the monkey's cages in Central Park, and this crazy man shows up, puts down a boom box, pushes the button, music starts, and for the next 90 minutes, Mm-mm. off script, he did the entire show for me. Oh, my God. My God. Book and lyrics. Oh, my God. And I was, I was floored. Now, I was young enough not to have learned the lesson that Jack O'Brien tried to teach me, which is don't ever get seduced by the music be sure the script is good enough to warrant a show mm-hmm. because you'll always get seduced by good music. Yeah. But you need to have the script as good as the score. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my lesson from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of good things to come out of that. Eden Espinosa, oh, from yeah. Brian oh, Atlas, yeah. that score. You know, I mean, uh, Tobin Ost, my relationship with Tobin, I thought it was a real celebration of the imagination. I'm proud of very many things in that show. But looking back on it, I now have the experience to understand what, what didn't work. Mm. If you had the opportunity to go back and do another production, what would you have altered, or what will you alter? I'm not sure I wouldn't go closer to Mark Schoenfeld with a boombox, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the big juggernaut that is Newsies. Okay, yeah. Because our listeners... I wish us. your audience could just watch you two work together. You're really good. <laughs> oh, shucks, You're Jeff. like Martin and Lewis. You're oh, just, I don't know. You thanks. just those. No, you really thanks. are great. You really are great. Oh, shucks. I'm blushing. I love yeah. watching you. Oh, the show. thanks. This is the show. Somebody has to, so thanks, Jeff. <laughs> um, let's talk about Newsies, because I know our listeners would kill us if we, if we didn't talk That's about true. it. That's true. Is this the only interview you'll do where you'll talk more about Alexis Smith and John Kenley than you will Newsies? I have to tell you, I wish it wouldn't be true, but I know it is true, and I am grateful to you both for that. No, I'm serious. And especially a lot of times today, because of the economics, a lot of theater critics and theater, people that were hired to write about theater in local papers have lost their jobs. So sometimes I do interviews, and it's with like the local... Food critic. Oh, so you're in the theater. 
could you please tell me, did you ever take dance lessons? I mean, you're like, you know, <laughs> so like, oh, just God. kill me now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when you lead off with John Kenley, you <laughs> won me over. I love you guys. <laughs> no, it's yeah. fun when the people yeah. really are passionate oh. and love it and know yeah. what they're talking about. They do. We, we have do. great it's listeners. Mm-hmm. We have a, and our who listeners know, as well. Yes. Who know 10 times more than yeah. we would ever hope to know. My God. Will tell us right away on Twitter when we get something wrong. <laughs> um, so how does Newsies come about for you? Had you seen the original film? No, I was probably the only one involved that hadn't. I'd done okay, a great. show years before. Well, not too many years. I don't even know, but it was it was before Newsies called High School Musical. Yes. yes. And that was a Disney show. Oh, yes. And so... It took the whole world by storm in the early aughts. It was... I oh, loved it was it. epic. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Working with young talent, you know, going around the world, you know, mounting those shows. I absolutely loved it. The state you did the stage the live yeah Kenny stage Ortega version, did the original just to clarify, as yeah. he did Newsies yeah 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 and he's That's a good right, friend of mine no Kenny's a good friend and I tease him I say you keep making those movies <laughs> so I can have a stage <laughs> career <laughs> so when they were doing a reading um, Tom Schumacher invited me and said I want you to come to a reading and see if you know you like the show mm-hmm. and it was over and we met and he said what do you you know is this something you'd like to be involved with and I was like absolutely are you kidding me <laughs> and uh, it was really an honor because it, again it had such heart which is always the way I judge material mm. it touched me you know this group of this band of kids just touched me wanting to change the world and it it, it had such heart and Alan's score was amazing I mean I'm stating the obvious but for all the reasons everyone loves the show is why I loved being asked to be part of it mm-hmm. how uh, active are you in the rewriting of a new musical, do you? Do, I'm trying to think of a way of articulating this. Do you and the writers sit down a lot of before the show even goes into rehearsal? Do you like to try out a lot of stuff in the rehearsal room? How flexible? No, are I you? think you collaborate well before you get into the rehearsal room. And by the time you get into the rehearsal room, you think you've nailed it. Yeah. That's never the case. (laughs) Yeah. But you always think, with each draft, you think you've nailed it. And of course, there's always 10 more drafts than the one you think you initially nailed. But Harvey's, you know, when you're working with someone as smart as Harvey, there's not a lot you're doing other than once you start to marry his text with the physical production, there are inevitably things that just need to change to accommodate three tons of scenery. We need more time here. I'm seeing this dance number sequence traveling from this location to this location to this location. Can you help me with that? Mm. Um, Same with Jack. Maybe there are a couple lyrics that need to change. Alan needs to extend a musical phrase so we can fulfill a certain thing physically. So those kind of things always come up. And if you're working with generous people like Harvey and Alan and Jack, it's pretty symbiotic. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's pretty easy. And the show was a paper mill first, correct? Yeah, it was just a one-off at paper mill. So do that, and that was it. I yeah, believe. just so you Disney know, could have a product to license to stock right. an amateur because yeah. people were doing it anyway. They right. were just making up their own, and I think there was lost revenue. Yeah, yeah. Disney went, wait, were you crazy? We own this. Let's yeah. create something to send the schools. Right, and that's why we all agreed to sign on. Not knowing that it would have this life on Broadway. As no, well. not in our wildest imagination. Yeah. When a show like Newsies runs for a long time and there are, you know, touring productions and this and this and this, do you still go how often do you go back and check in on a long running show? Well, there's two answers to that. You go back as often as the producer will let you or your schedule will let you. Hmm. 
I mean, that's the honest truth. Yeah. There's not like a set every Thursday, every other week. No. If you have another show, you send other people. As soon as you have a gap, you rush out. You know, you try not to. It's hard to maintain a show. You know, movies, once you have them in the can, you move on, and that performance is preserved forever. On stage, that performance tends to morph, mm. especially when you're out playing bigger theaters, and the longer you're out, the... Well, who said it the best? I think Jerry's, uh, Jerry Sachs said it the best when he said he would often go visit his shows to take out the improvements. Mm, <laughs> yep. and, but you don't blame anyone. You don't... You know, Peter Stone told me the theory where when I asked him why that happened with shows where actors, you tend to leave and you come back and they're, they're bigger. Right. They're yeah. doing everything magnified than what they used to. And his theory was in New York when you start a show, there's a certain uh, theater audience that appreciates certain things. You're also closer to the actor, mm. so you don't have to work so hard to get a reaction. Then you go to a bigger theater and you do the same thing and you're not getting that reaction mm -hmm. for whatever reason. The size of the theater the audience member seeing your show, whatever reason. And so you start to do a little more to equal that reaction that you mm. were used to getting. Yeah. Mm. And that just keeps going with time. The theaters get bigger, the performances get bigger. And that's not always you know, what's best for the show. Yeah. But to answer your question, you go back as often as you need to. Mm. It's an interesting theory, though, from Peter Stone. I like it. Yeah, that's really, it. really fascinating. Um, you've worked with this young, I'm going to say he's up and coming because he's so young in his point of his career, and that's Jeremy Jordan. What's it like working with him? How, what's his process like? How do you, you know, enjoy collaborating? I don't know. I find people like Jordan and Sutton and yeah, people like that, you get out of their way and you, you just protect them. Mm. You put them in a production that's worthy of their talent. Mm. And that's, you know... You don't learn or teach someone to be Sutton or to be Jeremy. They bring that with them. Yeah. And I was just lucky enough to be in a room when he happened to come in and audition for the part. You know, so you really just get out of their way and you try to do your job as well as they do theirs. So mm -hmm. they're in a production that honors their talent. What do you wish you knew? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? Well, well, a lot of things. I mean, I guess what I said earlier that I wish I had known from early on to handle every situation the way I want to remember having handled it because <laughs> that wasn't always the case. Yeah. Um, I wish I knew that a director's job was not to be everyone's friend. You were hired to do a job. That doesn't mean that you can't be friendly. But like, for instance, in Greece, I was younger than a lot of the actors in the show. Right. And I wanted to be liked by everyone. And so I became friends with everybody. So then when it came time to give notes or something, things, you know, I was just surprised of the reaction because mm. I thought I was talking to a friend. But ultimately, it came down to a director giving notes to an actor. Right. And everyone's very sensitive in that. And yeah. so, you know, I think it's just no different than a, a young parent having a newborn. And then if you ask them in their 60s after the kids have gone off what it's like to raise a child, you just become a better parent, right, with each passing year. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that just happens. What advice would you give to people that want to start a career in directing? Fresh I would out of say school. read as much as you can. Um, 
see as much art as you can. Absorb, be a sponge, be a sponge. And then when you do meet people, take advantage of those opportunities, be humble. Treat everyone really, really nice, whether or not they're the producer or the box office or the usher. Treat everyone the same. I think all those things I, I, I had to learn. I was never told those things. I had to learn them, and uh, I think they're good lessons, and I would try to pass that on to everybody. Mm. Looking ahead, what's something that you really want to accomplish, a dream that is yet to be fulfilled? I'm living my dream. Yeah. I don't have... I'm living my dream. I just want to keep being blessed enough to have the opportunity to put new works out into the world new and works. try to entertain people and try to create shows that when people leave the theater, they have more energy than they had when they came in. Yeah. And to keep working with new people and giving people the opportunity and maybe mentoring as many people as I can and touching as many people's lives in a positive way as I, as I can. Right. And to keep working on the balance between how much of life is about making me happy and how much of life is about helping others achieve happiness. Because right. that's sort of the balance. Right. And it's, a, it's, hard to, yeah. it's hard to negotiate that. Yeah. <laughs> Good day, Mr. Thomas. Good day, Mr. Schneider. Well, it has happened. We finally hit over 100 iTunes reviews, and we would like to thank each and every person who took the time to do so. Huzzah! Now, Huzzah. <laughs> we want to climb those charts even faster, and that is where you lovely folks who have not yet rated us come in. The process is very simple. On your podcast app, tap the search tab, enter our name behind the curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, tap the search key, Tap our beautiful logo, tap the reviews, tap write a review, then tap your way into our hearts. <laughs> tap your troubles away. away. That's nice, Rob. Once you are there, you can rate us from one star to five stars. Think of one star as Hervé V... <laughs> Rob, how do you say this name? Hervé Villechelle. Oh, dear God. I walked right into that one. Think of one star as Hervé Villechelle and Ima Sumac in Sideshow and five stars as front row seats to the opening night of Gypsy. <laughs> But they kiss me. Yeah, they kiss me for the first time. I thought that was pretty good. We want to get good reviews, Rob. We want to get good reviews. Excuse me, Arthur Lawrence. <laughs> Excuse me for trying to liven up our commercial ads a little bit. Eight-minute-long commercial. I l it's an infomercial at you this could... point. <laughs> I'm going to be like that lady that sells you the copper pots. Look at this. You can put 400 pounds of manure in it, and it slides right out. Then you can make an omelet. You got another line, Kevin. Got, got I'm a, waiting for you to say, plus you can leave your comment. Let oh, us know if you sorry, like what guests are like. Plus next. you can leave a comment to let us know what you are liking, <laughs> what you're not liking at this point, <laughs> or what guests you'd like to hear next. So head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think of our little show. Speaking of little, I'll tell you a story about Charles Lawton later. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.